2 Samuel chapter 21, we're going to start in verse number 15. Start in verse 15. It says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbibinab, what a name, which was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light in Israel. This, morning, this morning's message is about filling the gap, about filling the gap. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word once again. We're thankful for all the effort that was put into the services uh, this morning, all the things that were uh, behind the scenes, um, from getting the bulletins done to the choir preparing their songs and Jim not getting the music ready for us. We're so thankful for all that. And we've come here to hear from you this morning, and we know that you will reward us for our faithfulness in doing so. In Jesus' name, amen. When we come to this passage, we find David. We find David. Now, the David that we see here is not the same David that we knew long ago. He's a different man at this point. In the book of 1 Samuel, when we come across David, we see that he is young, he's vibrant. He's actually pretty much a nobody when we first hear of him. He's the son of Jesse. He's the youngest of all his brothers, and he's taking care of sheep. While he, of course, is taking care of sheep, a lion comes by and snatches one of those sheep and tries to uh, wreak havoc in the flock there. And so David grabs a hold of the lion by the mane and breaks his neck. I'm not sure if you've ever seen a lion, if you've ever seen one in person, but they are pretty fierce and pretty terrifying. When we were on vacation, when we were on vacation, we went down to the Naples Zoo just for a day to take the kids. We were thinking about going to SeaWorld, and that's an all-day, you know, one, two-day event, taking them to a hotel. But after spending about three hours at the Naples Zoo, we said, no way, we're just going to keep them home. I mean, right? It just was not going to work. Too many naps, too many poopy diapers, you name it. It was just not going to work. But while we were there, I was intrigued because I see pictures of lions and tigers. And I was intrigued because we went by, they had a, a Bengal tiger, I believe it was. And we walk up to that and the, it was standing about this tall. Now, when you see them in pictures, they don't always look that big. They look, they look nice. They look like, you know, oh, I could handle that. No, absolutely not. This was something special. David was becoming a hero, and it started all the way back there in the book of 1 Samuel. We see not long after that, that a bear came along and tried to do the same thing, and of course, he killed the bear. And as time progressed on, he becomes more famous and more famous. His most notable story is no doubt his story when he fights Goliath. He comes and he brings some goods to his brothers who were out at battle. And he notices when he shows up that there's a standoff between the Philistines and between God's people. And that the Philistines brought out a champion, a champion whose name was Goliath, who stood very, very tall. 
And of course, he was mocking God, making fun of God. And the, the challenge was that whoever, let's not all fight. Let's not all go to battle. We'll put two champions, your champion and our champion. They're going to fight. And whoever wins is going to be the victor. And all these people don't have to die. So we see day after day that Goliath comes and he is mocking God. He is making fun of the Jews. And David shows up on the scene and he's thinking to himself, what in the world is going on? He's thinking, why doesn't one of you guys get up the courage and walk out there and cut that guy's head off? He was in disbelief, a young shepherd boy. Of course, after going around and talking to his brothers and, and then he goes and talks to King Saul and they try to put armor on him. At first, they think he's crazy and they say, no, no, I don't need this armor. And he goes out, he said, I've got my sling, and I've got a, a few smooth stones. And David, of course, walks out there on that battlefield, looking like a little kid compared to this big giant. And with one of his stones, he swings it around, knocks Goliath in his head. Goliath falls down flat on his face. And both armies are just in disbelief at this moment. And David goes over there, stands on the back of Goliath, takes Goliath's sword, which was huge and which was heavy. He probably could barely even pick the thing up. He picks up that sword of Goliath and lops off his head in front of both armies. He goes over, he picks up that head of that heathen pagan individual who mocked God and walks back to Saul. I'm sure he drops the head just right in front of him. Wow. David was a hero. He was a hero. They go back, and of course, his reputation went ahead of him. And while they come into the city, they start cheering, Oh, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. He was a hero. And of course, he had more history that led up to this place we were at. He ran from Saul. Saul's jealousy got the best of him. He couldn't handle that God had taken his hand off of his life and was going to transition over to David, and Saul sought to kill David. And even during that time, he had there are some incredible stories found in the book of 1 Samuel. David, running for his life, sees Saul and his men camping out in a tent. He sneaks over there at night, cuts off a piece of his garment, saying, hey, I could have killed you if I wanted to, and then leaves. I mean, amazing. Another instance, he goes and he finds himself in enemy territory and he acts like a crazy man. I mean, he starts slobbering and, you know, they think he's, oh, this is, this is David? This is the man who killed Goliath and he's just a crazy man. He's a lunatic. I mean, he was, he was definitely ingenuitive to come up with those ways. He was a hero. But when we get to 2 Samuel chapter 21, we see a totally different man. We see a man who is older now than what he used to be. He doesn't uh, get out of bed as spry as he used to. Can we get an amen? Amen. Okay. I hear stories, okay? I don't know. I don't know, but I just hear. I hear about it a lot. Believe me, I work with almost a 70-year-old man. I know. I know. I hear about it. <laughs> David was at the place where... His mind said, yes, I can do this, but his body said, no way. You know what I'm talking about. When I first started to learn to play tennis a few years ago, I 
I played in my community over off Corkscrew, and there was one guy who showed up, and he said, oh, I, I haven't played in 10 years. He was probably in his you know, mid-70s at this point, and so we said, okay. The first or second shot he got, it was a little bit out in front of him. Of course, he ran to get it, tripped, fell over, rolled, scuffed up all his, I mean, his key, he had keys in his pocket, his phone, laying out there on the ground, and he learned real hard. His mind said, yes, I can do this. I'm still the guy I was, but his body said, no, it's not going to happen. And that's David. That is David at this point. And there's going to be come a day when, if you're not there already, there's going to come a day when you cannot do what you used to do. There's going to come a day when you cannot serve God the same way you used to serve God. That's just the harsh reality of it. So what am I saying? I'm saying serve God while you have opportunity. Serve God while you're able. Yes, everybody that's breathing in here can do something for the Lord. But you're not going to maybe do everything that you used to in your old capacity. Older folks, middle-aged folks, young folks, serve God while you're able to. Think about this. A life of faith is never a life of regret. David had a wonderful life. And I'm sure he didn't have regrets about killing that lion, that bear, facing Goliath, not killing Saul, letting God take care of it in his time, and all the great battles and wars that he had fought. I'm sure, I bet he was so thankful that he simply did the will of God while he was able to. We find him in this place where they say, we don't want you to go out to battle with us anymore. We're afraid that you are going to get killed. So the first thing I want us to notice here in this passage is that our heroes will not be around forever. Our heroes of the faith are not going to be here forever. Think, if you would, about our brother Bob Rose, a hero of the faith, a living, breathing hero that we had in our midst. Somebody's got to step up and take his place. Our brother Bob Rose, he, he was a minister. He ministered to people. They often had those fish fries, or cook, those cookouts at their house. And it was a great service to Gospel Baptist Church and people who came by. Hey, I'm so thankful that we got two couples that have said, you know what? I, maybe I don't do a fish fry, but I can have a cookout. I can have people over my house. I can invite people who are kind of on the fringe, get them connected with other folks in the church. And it is a wonderful ministry. Thank God that we have people who are willing to fill the gap. Absolutely. What about in our door-to-door -door ministry? Brother Robert, we talked last week. A year ago, he had, that, he had that accident where he broke his foot, ankle. He's had a long recovery, still recovering, still not 100%. He's been faithful to door-to-door -door ever since I've been here, six and a half years. Long before that, I'm sure. Been faithful to door-to-door. -door. And right now, God bless his soul. He gets out there, and he takes about half of, half of his area that he's supposed to do, and he gets out there, and he walks the streets. God bless you for doing that. But what I'm saying is there's going to come a time when you can't go out anymore. Who's going to take Robert Jensen's spot? Who's going to fill the gap? Who's going to say, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm going to take his place? I don't want to see one less person at door to door. We need, we need more now than ever. Brother Doc, 
How many years have you been driving the bus? 30 years driving the church bus. How old are you? 75 years old. Driving the church bus. There's going to come a time when the insurance company is going to say, no more. <laughs> Am I right? It's the reality. There's going to come a time when he can't drive the bus anymore. So what I'm saying is, is who is going to get their CDL and take Tom Gillespie's place? Who is going to step up and who is going to fill the gap? In our ladies' ministry, Miss Marilyn, you've done a great job over all these years. But there's going to come a time when you can't do it anymore. And I know that you already know that you're making preparations and you have other ladies coming up underneath you. But who is going to fill the gap in the ladies' ministry? It's not easy work. She's like the center of the wheel. If you need to know something, Marilyn's on it. She's got all the prayer requests. She know, that's work. Who is going to fill the gap? What about with our gospel tracks? For years, Bill Sikora come out the back. Lil and I, 1,000. Mr. Mike, I appreciate you filling the gap. That every week we still get to hear, Lord willing, we still get to hear 1,000. Fill the gap. Now, if you don't have 1,000 tonight, you're totally going to just disregard everything I'm saying right now. So get out this afternoon and pass them out. <laughs> But I appreciate people who are willing to step up when others can't do it anymore. There's coming a day when our heroes will not be around like they used to. Our pastor, there's coming a day when he's not going to be around anymore. We're so thankful for the preachers that have invested in us and all of you who have uh, other churches that you uh, have during the uh, summertime when you go north and those folks. They're not going to be around forever. So while we're able, let's take advantage of every opportunity we have to learn everything we possibly can, because when they're gone, somebody is going to have to step up and take their place. Now, these people that I've mentioned, they're not heroes just because of service. They're really heroes because they love God. That's what it's about. They are heroes because they love God, and they've taken their time, their talent, and their treasure, and they've allowed God to use them, and they've made themselves available. Here's the, what was so special about David? You read about David, you see statues of David. He, didn't, he was not a, a, a big man. He was not a man of great stature. He seemed pretty average, pretty, pretty ordinary. But what was different about him? What was different? He was willing to be used of God. He took, he took his sling and five stones and said, nobody else will go out to battle. I'll go. I'll fill the gap. And see how God used him throughout his life. It's been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Abraham followed God, got up out of his homeland and said, in faith, I'll go. And he leaves. Moses said, I'm a nobody. I can't even talk real well, but I'll go down to Egypt and say, let my people go. We have Samuel, who as a little boy in the night said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. He was willing. There was nothing overtly special about Samuel, but he was willing to fill the gap. Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. A little boy, he said, I don't have much, 
but I got a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And look what God used him to do. We got the disciples, a group of a few fishermen who were really nobodies in society, but they say, I'll go and tell others about Jesus. They didn't do really great, crazy things with their life. All they did was go out and tell others about Jesus and look how God used them. What I'm saying is you don't have to say, well, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the charisma or the personality to do anything great. All you have to do is use what God has given you and be available to fill the gap. And God can use you. They filled the gap. How about you? Who's going to fill the gap? Often I get this question from people all around, from people in our church that say, Brother Chris, where are the young people? Where are they? Now, so you know, we got, a bunch, we got kids programs going on right now. That's why there's no children that are going on. And I'm thankful that they are over there and not in here. Amen? Absolutely. There's kids programs. We have young people. We have young families. But before you get all upset, oh, it, it looks like there's nobody going to be here to fill the gap when, when us old people are gone. Have you, have you looked at what the age, the average age in Bonita Springs, Estero, and Naples is? Have you looked? Have you looked? The average age in Bonita, which is the lowest of the three, is 56 years old. 56 years old. You say, wow, that's old. Well, Estero. 62.5 years old is the average age in Astero. Naples, the average age in Naples is 65. 65. And so please do not be discouraged when you look around church and say, well, all I see is gray hair. This next generation is not picking it up. Well, this is the area we live in. This is, this is normal. Our average church age is the is the average really of the community. By the way, we have a great youth program. Thomas is getting more teenagers now in the youth group than he has since he's been here. Now, it's not all about numbers. It's, of course, it's about quality, but we like numbers too. We like God's house to be full. And on Wednesday night, they got a big program. Invite young people, if you see them, to come see Thomas on Wednesday nights. Our Awana program, same thing. We invest in the young people because they are going to be the ones who take the place. We need some people to step up and fill the gap and, and take a map out and say, circle an area on a map and say, you know what, this is going to be my area. I'm going to witness to every person in this circle on the map. You say, that's crazy. No, it's not. Do it for God. Somebody needs to step up and fill the gap. Somebody needs to go out here and look at one of these buses out here because we ran about three this morning, but there's one or two that are sitting there that didn't go out. Does that bother you? I mean, we got to have one for backup, so we're definitely not sending all of them out, but we got one for backup. It bothers me that all the buses aren't going out. I wish somebody would say, go out there and say, this is going to be my bus, and I'm going to take an area, and I'm going to get boys and girls and young people to come to church. The bus ministry still works, but we need people who are willing to fill the gap. We need maybe a teen who's going to say, I don't care if no other teenager's name is on the Bible reading board out there, I'm going to fill the gap. And I'm going to get out there and I'm going to put my name on the Bible reading board and God help me, I'm going to read my Bible through this year. We need young people who are going to fill the gap. We need nursery workers. We need somebody. It'd be wonderful if somebody said, went out there in the hallway, said, once a week, 
I'm going to go through and I'm going to pray for every one of those missionaries on the board. Somebody fill the gap. It'd be thrilling if we had young men who are saying, I know I'm not called to, to be a pastor or a preacher, but I want to learn to preach and fill the gap. How many of you know we need the, the Bible preached more now than we do ever, than we do ever before? We need it now. And there's nothing wrong with men who aren't going to be pastors or preachers per se, learning how to open the Bible and preach the Word of God. Wonderful. Wonderful. Secondly, let's notice the fight is real. So the first thing is our heroes are not going to be around forever. The next thing I want you to notice is that the fight is real. This was a battle of life and death between David and this giant. And you may be playing games, but the enemy's not playing games. You maybe think this is just a joke, this is just life, and it just goes on and on and on and not take it real serious, but this life is a battle of life and death. It's not fairy tale. Girls, this is not a Hallmark movie. Hallmark movie, there's no trash on the streets, everything's perfect. The snow is not dirty. We know that snow gets dirty on the sides of the road. I've seen how they make those movies. That is not real life. This is a real battle. There is real trouble. People just generally want a nice little family. Okay, I'll go to church every now and then. I'll go to church once or twice a week maybe. Get blessed from the preacher, and it'll be great we've been there. Maybe have our kids in a program. Oh, maybe we'll, we'll sacrifice real big and do a ministry. We'll just do one ministry. And it, they're just really casual about it. But this is a matter of life and death. I mean, we're not doing a wanna because we want to give kids just an alternative for a few hours throughout the week. We're doing a wanna because it's life and death for the young people who go there. We're doing a bus ministry because young kids are depending on us to get them and bring them to church so they can hear the gospel. We go door to door not because we want to see our church full, not so we can invite folks to church and put a smile on people's face and say, God loves you. We're doing it because people are dying and going to hell, and we're trying to fill the gap. The fight is real. The devil is after souls, and so are we. The devil's trying to stop Christian growth, and we're trying to excel it. Retired folks, God's not done with you yet. He's not done. I appreciate just this last week, I had somebody come into my office, had a meeting with me, and said, I'm retired, but I'm not going to sit around and do nothing. I got to have some, I got to be a part of some service somewhere. Tell me what you want to do. Do you know how much that thrills my soul? Somebody saying, I want to fill the gap, whatever it is. Families, don't let your family distract you. That sounds like a terrible statement, but it's true. So many, so many people, they allow their families to just be number one, that they put God on the back burner. Don't let that happen. Teens, there's something bigger than yourself. You young people sitting over here, there's something in life that is bigger than yourself. And if at a young age you can get a hold and understand that life is not all about you, you're going to have a much better experience. It took me many years to figure out that life was not about me. My mom would say, Chris, and she'd, do, she'd make a big old deal about it. Chris, and she'd start walking around me. The, earth, uh, the world does not revolve around Chris. Okay, I get the picture. Moms have a way with things. There's a gap to fill, young people. Get in there and do something about it. We're in a fight to the death. 
Thirdly, we must train. If we're going to be in a fight, we got to learn how to fight. What I noticed about this passage is the young men, they were ready to take David's place when the time came. They were ready at that moment. They didn't have to wait and be trained. They didn't have to say, okay, well, let's, let's after, after David couldn't go anymore, okay, let's uh, see. No, they were there. They had David's back. Abishai ran that sword, I believe, right through the back of Ishbi Binab and suckered him. A good old sucker punch. And he was ready. I mean, they were absolutely ready. Abishai had been with David for a long time since he was in the wilderness when, he, when David was being pursued by Saul. And he was one of David's most trusted men ever since. He was there. He was learning. He was figuring out how to fight. And he was ready when the time came. If we're going to learn how to fight, we've got to know how to wield our weapon. If we're going to fight, we've got to know how to wield our weapon. Get in the book. Get in the book. What else can I tell you besides get in the book? If you want something to change your life, get in the book. Don't say, well, I'm going to start serving and that's going to change my life. Start reading. Start listening to the Bible and it's going to change your life more than anything else will. Memorize scripture. These guys come up week, week after week. They're not doing it just so they have something to do. They're memorizing these verses on Sunday night and quoting them because the fight is real. The battle's real. They need to know how to wield their weapon. And get yourself in, in under some good preaching. Some good preaching will help you. You older folks, train people to take your place. Train people to take your place. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he says, And the things which thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, you've learned a lot from me, but you need to teach what you've learned to other people so that they can go on and teach others, and that's how the process works. Don't allow yourself to become indispensable. I know that's totally opposite of the way the world wants to think. In a worldly mindset, you want to say, well, I want to make myself indispensable. Okay, no, not in the Christian life. You want to make yourself dispensable. You want to work yourself out of a job. Sunday school teachers, get in there in that classroom, and those helpers that you have come in, teach them why you do what you do. I appreciate Bob Carney. Is he back? He's not back yet. I think he'll be back maybe next week. And he does a lot of our work for us around here. He probably, he'd probably be mad at me for talking about him right now, so nobody tell, I, nobody tell him I did. But he comes on Mondays and helps us with our maintenance around here. And, of course, Monday is our maintenance day that the pastors do stuff around the church, handyman kind of stuff. And Bob Carney, what does he do? He's going in a, he's going in a, a, circuit, uh, a circuit breaker or a junction box, and he's looking in there, and he's taking the wires out. He says, Chris, get over here and look in here. And, of course, he forces me to go over there and get in there and say, you see what I'm doing here? I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And get in there and you do it, but don't electrocute yourself. And we're prying away in there. And he's saying, eh, if I'm dead, you're going to be the only one that knows how to do this around here. What's he doing? He knows that he's not going to be around forever. Older folks, invest in somebody that's going to take your place. Pastor Bill, he takes me around the property, and he, he'll bring me in Mac Hall, McKinney Hall, and he'll say, you see those two tiles at the, at the front of the auditorium there, those two ones that are different? He says, you'll probably be the only one that knows this, but... There's water line underneath those two for when we built the building. Maybe we would do a baptistry. So if you ever need water, that's where you find it. What's he doing? He's wanting himself to become dispensable to where somebody else can pick up the slack after he's gone. So you people that go door to door, teach somebody else how to do door to door because you can't do it forever. Hey, bus workers, 
teach your helpers on the bus why you're doing what you're doing. There's going to come a time when you can't serve anymore. Young people, find a hero of the faith and get around them. Find somebody among, amongst our church here that's got a good reputation. Maybe ask your parents who a good person would be and learn everything you can from them because there's going to come a time when you have to fill the gap. Fourthly and lastly, there's still giants to defeat. Fourthly and lastly, there are still giants to defeat. Verse 15 says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again. Seems like throughout First and Second Samuel, they're just having battles with the Philistine all the time. Here they are at another battle. Verse 16 says, And Ishbi Benob, which was sons of the giant. The giant. Most Bible scholars believe it's referring to Goliath, one of Goliath's children. David slew Goliath all those years ago, but the battle was not over. There was coming a day when he was going to face giants once again. And today there are still battles to fight. You may have had your victories in the past, but there are still battles to be won today. And just because you were victorious last time does not mean that you're going to be victorious this time. After you've had a few, that's when you're most vulnerable because you take your foot off the pedal and you say, oh, well, I've done this before. No, 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 no. David found himself when he was about to be killed. I've seen Christians who do right all their lives, but then right at the end, they lose a battle. You see married, married couples who've been married 20 years. It doesn't mean you're going to be married 30 years. I mean, right? I mean, you've seen, you've seen Christians who've been faithful 40 years. That doesn't mean they're going to be faithful 41 years. Hey, we're in a battle, and there are still giants to defeat and battles to be won today. And every generation is going to face their giants. David's giant was Goliath. Of course, Abishai's was Ishbi Binab. And as you read through, for time's sake, we won't do it, but as you read through, verses 18 to the end of the chapter, we see there was three other giants that were killed. Three other giants. David had his day in the sun, and now Abishai and David's mighty men had theirs. And they had giants to kill. The giants are everywhere in today's generation. Specifically, the, the giant of accessibility. Accessibility meaning that everybody has access to everything. Young people can take out their phones and they can have access to the entire world. Every good thing and every wicked, horrible thing. Some of you young people, you're going to have to overcome this giant. There are many giants to overcome. Being married can be a giant. Serious. 41% of marriages in the United States don't make it. If it was easy, that wouldn't be the case. Marriage can be a giant. You got to slay your giant, just like David and his mighty men slayed his. For some, being pure is going to be a giant. Some, being modest may be a giant. Overcoming pornography may be a giant. There are giants out there that we need to overcome. As we finish, why should we fill the gap? 
the end of the, the passage, I believe, actually, verse, the end of verse 17, it says, they didn't want David to go out to battle anymore because they didn't want the light in Israel to go out. Partially because David had been idolized and he was the hero, the champion. They didn't want, they didn't want him dead. But here, we don't want the light to go out. We don't want the light of the gospel to go out. Who's going to fill the gap? In a world where there's churches that are closing more than they're opening, we need people to fill the gap so the light doesn't go out. If there ever was a time to serve God, today is the day. Does it bother you that there's people out there that are dying and going to hell? Does it bother you that the people who are living next door to you are dying and going to hell? Young people, does it bother you that there's kids on your sports team that are dying and going to hell? Does it, does it bother you that your coworkers don't know Jesus the way you knew Jesus? Somebody fill the gap. God help us to be faithful and pick up the mantle of the great men and women who've gone before us. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.